Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. We're live now with Faith and Sport on the Carolina Catholic Radio Network. You with us, Dr. A? Folks, this is Faith and Sport. I'm Dr. John Aquaviva, professor of exercise science at Wingate University. I like to bring you this show, Faith and Sport, every Monday, where we apply our Christian faith to all aspects of sports. So if you're a player, if you're an athlete, if you're an administrator, a referee, or just a fan of sport, you've joined the right show. This is a great place to apply your Catholic faith to everything that you do through sport. Here's what we're going to do today. We got our hit or miss with Carlos. He's going to join us here in a minute. He joins us. He joins us most Mondays to talk about a good thing or a bad thing that happened directly in the world of sport. Our special guest joining us on the phone, also a little later on the program, is, St- is Father Steve Pullis. He's the priest secretary for the Archbishop of Detroit, Alan Vigneron, and he's going to talk to us to, about a pastoral note called the Day of Our Lord, in which. Uh, all activity regarding sports for the CYO and the Catholic High School League so it was suspended on Sunday. So he's going to join us to talk about that. And the second half of our program, we've got weekend headlines, quick Q&A with Dr. A, and of course our Pope Quote of the Week, time uh, permitting. So, uh, Chris, is, is uh, Carlos on the line with us? Uh, not yet. Not yet, okay. Uh, he'll be joining us here in a few minutes. Um, folks, if, uh, if you follow sport, if uh, you you are following some of the stuff that's been going on in the world of sport, one of the things that has uh, has, has crept into the conversation, I think, all too often in the last couple of years, is the huge contracts that come up in the world of sport. In particular, I'm talking about the baseball contracts that were uh, discussed this past week and signed this past week, and they're huge numbers, and I think their numbers are so big, we tend to let them fly by our brain, and we don't really process that. We're going to be talking about that uh, a little later on in the program, so stay tuned for that. But first, let's do our hit and miss. we got Carlos Herrera on the phone, a certified yes, soccer do. referee. Carlos, thanks for joining the show again today, buddy. Hi, Dr. Aguilera. Great to be on again. This is great. Okay, let's get right to it. Your hit or miss. What was it, a hit or a miss this week in the world of sport? Mine's going to have to be a, a hit for uh, three particular players that got record-breaking contract <laughs> deals in <laughs> baseball. Let's hear it. Anthony Rendon yep. uh, signed for the, with the LA Angels, $245 million. Garrett Cole with the record breaking for a pitcher at $300 million. That's right. And then Steven Strasburg making uh, a contract at $245 million, or I believe it's seven years. So it ends up being like $30 million to $35 million each year, roughly for each of these players, with Garrett Cole making a little bit more, which is. Just almost unfathomable to me that a player, a baseball player, no offense, John, yep. that can make <laughs> that kind of money just playing baseball. Well, yeah, of course, but we could say that about really any sport, right? Like if you're hitting a golf ball, you're like, I can't believe they made a million point, you know, 400,000 in that tournament just for hitting that little white ball. You know, when people go out shooting that orange ball into the hoop, I can't believe they make that much money. But you see this as a hit, and tell me why. Just because from the aspect of capitalism and entrepreneurship, well, and 
What is well, it? The, the head, and I'm, I'm kind of joking a little bit on the head, because inside, I feel like, you know, and, and I, this is a personal sort of perspective, when, when, when entertainers and athletes and movie people or actors are making the kind of money when there are people that just don't make enough money. To me, I think it's obscene. Yep. So it's a win for capitalism, a win for the baseball teams and the MLB. But to me, I, I just, it's hard for me to, to reconcile that in my Christian mind, my Catholic mind. Yep. That somebody's making that kind of money to play any sport, right? Whether it doesn't matter whether it is hitting the little white ball. It's just, that's a lot of money. Well, you know, somebody emailed in and said, you know, I want you to address this these huge professional contracts. And, and folks, uh, if you're just joining us, this is Faith and Sport. I'm Dr. John Aquaviva. We're doing our hit and miss, hit or miss of the week with uh, certified soccer referee Carlos Herrera. And Carlos, this is amazingly coincidental because I, I asked you off air. In fact, even before the weekend, to come up with a hit or miss for Monday, as I normally do each week, and you came up with this. And the question from this gal who wrote in from one of the local towns that's a listener to this program said, "Is this a moral issue?" And might as well go ahead and address that right now, and you can piggyback on the thoughts I have here. And of course, you started the the conversation, but let me let me take it along down a road, and then you can give some commentary on that. Sure. I, I think, in and of it by itself. Capitalism is not immoral, right? And th- this is a form of what Pope John Paul II called unbridled capitalism, where there's really no like end cap in sight, right? There's this this opportunity, and we always think that contracts, for instance, are going to cap out at some point. People started talking about this 10, 20 years ago. Nah, nobody's going to make more than $4 million a year. Nobody's going to make more than $10 million a year. And that keeps, that envelopes keep keeps getting pushed what i do think where morality comes in is if it's done in an illegal or immoral manner right you're cheating somebody you're lying to somebody there's something illegal or immoral going on to earn that money and that's obviously not the case with a professional athlete unless you know they're taking some type of banned substance which is a different conversation but i do think the moral Con- the conversation continues is when you have when you discuss what is done with that money but that's something that's between this person their family immediate family members like their wife or their husband and their god right i i think that's the that's the real thing what, what's your thought as i said those two things about morality and big contracts well i, I would agree with you i think the capitalism is it's really the free market, right? It's if there is somebody who's willing to pay it, you know, somebody who can, you know, earn it, ask for it, get it, good for them, right? Yep. It definitely should not be at the cost uh, of somebody else, i.e. some sort of illegal or tampering or something that's, you know, you're lying to it. So I don't, I don't think there's anything, and I'm not a theologian, but I don't see anything immoral about it. You know, I think your point as to whether... You spend it frivolously. That's something between the them and their conscience and their, you know, their upbringing. And you know, obviously, there are more temptations when you have money, right? right? That's right. You can do things that normally maybe a lack of money or a lack of good defense attorneys could get you out of, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I 
agree with you there. It's it just for me, and I, you know, I'm not a socialist by any means, and I don't think that socialism would fix this, but it's just hard to think about. You and I have been teachers before, you know, and just like being a coach, you know, when, when you're guiding youth and people who are forming conscious and forming minds to think that they really struggle sometimes with having and to beat when somebody who's swinging a bat or a ball or whatever is making that much money. Try. You know, it's just hard. But capitalism, you know, going socialist is not the way to solve it. You know, I've mentioned this a few times on the program before, but it's always worth repeating is, you know, Alicia, my wife, is not, you know, she's she doesn't have her finger on the pulse of sports, especially the sports contracts and so forth. And this is an aspect of sport that the sport fan knows all about. They know that the biggest players in the four major sports, uh, s- certainly soccer players throughout the world, they they command not just 20, 25, but now like these contracts you mentioned with Garrett Cole, Anthony Rendon, Steven Strasburg and so forth, they have, you know, uh, you know, broken that barrier of $30 million per year. And I remember the first time a couple years ago that on TV, and Alicia was, I think she was reading at the same time, and there was some commentary on how much this certain player was making, and they mentioned $30 million, and Alicia said, and they mentioned, a, you know, like a four-year contract or something. She goes, that guy makes $30 million in a four-year contract, and that means he's making like $7 million a year. And I go, sweetie, he makes $30 million for four years, right? It wasn't broken up into four years. That is, He signed a contract. So in other words, it was a $120 million contract. She doesn't even know what to say. Every time she hears that, she doesn't know what to say, where I think people like you and I, it's like water off a duck's back. But the fact is, is we have to grapple this, grapple with this every once in a while, and if nothing else, just get the culture to think about this because ultimately, and you know this, Carlos, who is footing the bill for these huge contracts? It is right, all of us. It's the fan, right? It's it's just it's like anything, anything that is on TV. We're footing the bill for it, and sports are on TV, and we foot the bill for that. And it's just something that we have to grapple with, and we will continue. So, listen, let, we're going to have to circle back around to that part of the conversation before Father Steve Pullis gets here. I want to. Touch on what I mentioned to you uh, off the air, which was my miss, and that is with the bowl season coming up, right? There's 39 bowls that are going to start, and they are going to start, in fact, this Friday, as I'll mention our weekend headlines. And the difference between the bowls, folks, and this is in college football, and the regular season is just that. It's a, it's kind of like a bonus game. It's, it's a, it has a playoff-type atmosphere. The players get to travel to sometimes these exotic or really cool towns or parts of the country that are uh, special for the player to go there. They usually get there anywhere between two and four days beforehand. And they, you know, it's both preparation for the game, but it's mainly, it's a vacation, it's a, you know, a camaraderie trip, it's a, a you know, an opportunity to play this last game where, um, in, in some cases, it's the last of their careers. Now, speaking of the last game of their careers, a lot of the players over the last couple of years have decided not to play in these bowl games unless it's playing it for the national championship, which only four teams do, right? There's only four teams in that college football playoff. And more and more, more and more of these guys are opting not to play in this game, and it just confuses the heck out of me. And here's why it confuses me so much: is it's a game like any other game. In fact, it's special. As I mentioned, if anything, it doesn't take a downturn; it takes an upturn, 
right? They get to travel to these wonderful places. They get to play against a team that this committee had had thought about and and had kind of looked at the records of these teams and look at, they look at the history of these teams and they want to bring these teams together. That's going to make a special game. And these players have decided not to play in the game because they have an opportunity. There's no guarantee, but there's an opportunity that they're going to go to the NFL and they want to make sure that they are ready for the NFL draft and that they're not hurt in any way, so they decide not to play in this game. Now, we have to discuss this. Where does the these characteristics of common these are common characteristics that are kind of universal actually not just common in the world of sport and that is hard work perseverance loyalty commitment and a slew of other characteristics that all fit into this and go directly against this idea that they don't want to play and it's always amazing to me, Carlos, that when these guys don't play, that the coaches and they're even their fellow players just go, I support them fully. They should be saying the opposite. Dude, we're in this together. We're a team. Where's your loyalty? We all committed to this program. Play in this game. That's what you signed up for. You don't sign up to play in a game and not play because there's a chance that you might get hurt. If we don't, if we don't want to do something, we don't want to get hurt, then we shouldn't get in the car ever, right? <laughs> Capitalism, John. <laughs> this all circles back to capitalism. There's an opportunity. That's what the, why they're skipping out. Right? Oh, yeah, they, of course. The, the loss of future income. That the possible. why they don't want to play this game, because an injury could, they could completely miss out on a possible NFL career. And, yeah, that's too important for, I mean, they're building, if you think about it, and, and again, the, the system's sort of set up this way, but when you're a kid, you know, playing in the streets, throwing the ball around, yep. your dream is to play in the NFL. Of course. Right? Of course. It isn't really to play in a bowl game, you know, or play for your university, although that could be part of it. But almost every kid wants to play in the Super Bowl, and that's why, and, and, and make a living doing something they love. And it's sad, but, you know, it's the same reason that we're talking about these big contracts. The lure of big money, and some of, of these kids don't come from a lot. So this is like their opportunity to get in to the big game. No, there's no question about it. And and that's when I was thinking of the response to this question. I think it's magnified by the paying the the college player issue. In that people are like, these guys are making the NCA and their individual schools a lot of money. And if they're not going to get reimbursed, then they shouldn't play in this game. But then what my argument would be, what about that team that is 6-6? Six and six? Now, you probably know this. Any team that wins six games is eligible for a bowl. If they're 6-6, six and six, Carlos, it was probably around the third or fourth game of the season that they were out of contention to go to the college football playoff and their conference championship. So my question to them would be, why didn't you stop playing after that? What was your incentive at that point? And in other words, I think this is a slippery slope. I think it's a matter of time before we start seeing these star players going, "Listen, we're six and two, or we're we're um, six and four, we're six and five. Yes, maybe we're headed to a bowl game. We're out of playoff contention. We're out of the conference championship. I'm going to sit out the rest of the year." And I think this is going to happen more and more. The more that this college you know, paying the college athlete issue looms because then eventually there's this is the age of entitlement. This is the age of looking after yourself. And I think ultimately it's going to hurt sport. And the thing is, is as we talked about, it's not going to fix the problem. It's going to magnify the problem to pay these guys. If you look at where the uh, the NBA has gone, what is it? As a freshman now, 
I mean, you could skip college before they they fixed it. That's right. But you could go right to the pros from high school. Now you have to play at least one year. But if you think about it, you know, in college now for football, people are like skipping their last year so that they can get in the NFL sooner, right? Like, and, and invariably, I think that's kind of what starts to happen is, you know, the better players are going to start skipping out sooner. And it just, you know, you'll get to a silly scenario where, you know, you can only, you know, they'll, they'll mandate you play at least one year of college right. before you go to the NFL. No, I know. In fact, I'm wondering if at some point the NCAA is going to say when they sign their, you know, their contract or their agreement for the scholarship, they might even say something like, unless you're hurt, then you, sh- you should sign an agreement. I don't think it'll ever get to that point, but I think the uh, schools ultimately behind closed doors and when the microphones are off, I think they're pretty aggravated by this whole thing. And as a fan, I am, as we should be, right? That's what, that's what we're a fan. We want to see the best players play. And when, there's, when they sign up to do it and they don't do it just because there's a chance of getting hurt, it's frustrating to uh, everybody involved. All right, Carlos. The beauty, the beauty of having capitalism and, and one the, of the negatives That's right. That's right. As always, Carlos, this uh, 15, 20-minute segment goes way too quick. We'll just pick it up where uh, we left off again the next time you're on. Listen, buddy, thanks again for joining the show, and we'll talk to you soon. Having me on, John. Have a great day. Okay, buddy. See ya. That was Carlos Herrera, a certified soccer coach who joins us just about every week to do the hit or miss in the world of sport. Um, folks, in, in a minute, uh, Father Steve Pullis is going to join us. He's the priest secretary to the uh, to Archbishop Alan Vigneron, the Archbishop of Detroit, Michigan. In fact, it happens to be my uh, the, the uh, diocese, archdiocese I was born into. He's going to join us here in a minute. If you're just joining us, uh, I'm Dr. John Aquaviva. You're listening to the Carolina Catholic Radio Network. This is Faith in Sport, where we apply our Catholic faith to all aspects of sport. If you have a question for Father Steve when he joins us here in a minute, or you have a question for me before the show ends, there's a couple ways in which you can do it. You can tweet me at j.aquaviva1, that's the number one, j.aquaviva1, again, is my Twitter account, or you can just simply email me at faithandsport at wingate.edu. Thanks again, folks, for joining us here on Faith in Sport uh, on this Monday, December 16th. Okay, listen, we have Father Steve Polis on the line. He is the pre-secretary to Archbishop Alan Vigneron out of Detroit. Father Steve, welcome to the show. Oh. All right, I think that noise means, uh, folks, that uh, we got disconnected from him. This is uh, uh, Faith in Sport, folks. And uh, let me let me set up. Uh, Father Steve's going to call back here in a minute. But let me set this up a little bit. Back in the spring... Archbishop Alan Vigneron of the Archdiocese of Detroit put out a a note. It was it's a, known as a pastoral note. It's it was the fourth in the series uh, supporting a, a document called Unleash the Gospel. And this particular note was called a Day of Our Lord. And in this policy, the Day of Our Lord, it including ceasing college or I'm sorry, Catholic high school league and CYO, the Catholic Youth Organization sports on Sunday. So the Archbishop disallowed as part of this policy any practices or games if you were part of the CYO or the Catholic High School League. And to join us now is Father Steve Pullis. He is the priest secretary for Archbishop Alan Vigneron, who put forward this note. Father Steve, welcome to the show. Thank you. This is great to have you. Now, first, I've mentioned your title a couple times. Now, you have two titles. You're the Director of the Department of Evangelization, Catechesis, and Schools, but also you're the Pre-Secretary to Archbishop Alan Vigneron. Now, 
Father Steve Polis, before we get that, into that, this... That's an old job I had. I, I'm not currently his pre-secretary. Oh, got it. Got it. Okay. So, um, and, and just for, even though you're stepped out of that position, but you are the current director of the Department of Evangelization, Catechesis, and Schools, exactly. correct? Okay. Now, correct. just just for those, especially the people that are faithful and they hear this term, the pre-secretary, what does that mean? What was your role <laughs> as a pre-secretary? Yeah, it's it's a priest who helps the archbishop kind of order his life. So his calendar, the obligations that come up, um, the the way he interacts with other priests or the faithful, uh, organizing events uh, out at parishes yep. or on the archdiocesan level. And to have a priest do it is really to say that there are parts of the archbishop's ministry that is very, of course, pastoral and requires um, the both the sensitivity of a priest and also the um, kind of expertise of a priest. And so I got to do to do that, to help him organize his life and to organize his calendar for four years. And I got to interact with lots of wonderful pastors, lay people, and others um, in that role. And that was a great blessing in my priesthood. Awesome. And then now, and one of the reasons that, in fact, the main reason that you're joining us here on today's show is that as the director of the department, of evangelization, catechesis, and schools, um, you are kind of on the um, the forefront of this pastoral note, the Day of Our Lord. So, so talk to us about what Archbishop Alan Vigneron meant um, when he said, "Let's reclaim Sunday." So, in in particular, put it in terms of um, why he uh, what he meant by ceasing all sports involving the CYO and the Catholic High School League. So just a little backstory here. In 2016, we had this wonderful Archdiocesan Synod, Synod 16, which called together more than 400 people from all around the diocese and yep. had input from more than 10,000 people, lay faithful and priests as well, to say, what does it mean for us to be a missionary diocese, to be on mission? Mm-hmm. And one of the organic things that came up from that, that we had heard about and talked about, but hadn't really been... Uh, on the forefront of the agenda was to say the way parents and families are pulled in different directions on Sunday, especially with sporting events, makes it hard for them to live kind of the witness of their faith in a way that is powerful for those around them. Sure. And so this organic movement to say we need to stop having games and practices on Sunday came out of Synod 16, and when the Archbishop released his pastoral letter for the vision of the diocese going forward called Unleash the Gospel, mm-hmm. he put specifically in there that we would come up with a plan to see sporting events in our Catholic youth organization at the 5th through 8th grade level mm-hmm. and at the Catholic high school league at the ninth through 12th grade level. So it's really a response of the faithful throughout the whole archdiocese saying, this is what we need to do to be the missionary church in Detroit that God wants us to be. So in essence, this was not only, this this note, this letter was written by Archbishop Vigneron, but it was, this council basically came forward and, for lack of a better word, suggested this policy be instilled? Yeah, so leading up to the Synod, we had all this time of prayer and discernment and really intentionally listening to the Holy Spirit. And this is one area that came up from a number of different people, pastors, parents, those who work at parishes, other lay faithful, who said, hey, this is an important part of being a witness and of ordering our lives after the Lord Jesus Christ 
And so the archbishop, what he did as the leader and the chief shepherd, said, I'm going to put my seal upon this. I'm going to say this is an organic or an authentic movement of the Holy Spirit to say we need to move in this direction away from sports on Sunday. So when when kind of comments came back about people with challenges or didn't like the decision, he said, yeah, I own this, but I own this as the leader of the community who wants to go in this direction, not as me saying, not as him imposing it upon everyone. Now you and I, uh, you and I communicated via email, and and I think you've already answered this question. There was there was no one particular incident or particular incidents that propelled Archbishop Vigneron to instill this note, this particular aspect. No, of the, yeah, no, not at all. This doesn't come as a response to you know. Uh, a particular problem, just kind of a slow growth. And I'm sure, you know, you see this everywhere, the way uh, sports, which is a wonderful, a great thing. You know, I played sports, uh, basketball, baseball, soccer, all through fifth grade, uh, through grade school and through high school, and Mm -hmm. I loved it. And it was an important part of my human formation. But there's a way that it can kind of outgrow its importance and kind of creep into uh, more vital aspects of the Church's life. And so, this isn't a saying no to sports, it's a saying yes to the bigger picture of what does it mean for us to be the Church, and where does sports fit into the whole work of the Catholic Church. Folks, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Carolina Catholic Radio, this is Faith in Sport. I'm Dr. John Aquaviva, the host. We're being joined by Father Steve Pullis. He is the Director of the Department of Evangelization, Catechesis, and Schools, and we're discussing the pastoral note by Archbishop Alan Vigneron from the Archdiocese of Detroit called the Day of Our Lord, in which the policy um, basically spoke to cease uh, Catholic high school league sports practices and sports um, games, as well as the CYO, which is basically saying that anybody in a Catholic school in the Archdiocese of Detroit grades 5 through 12, no practices or games on Sundays. Let me leave you with this question, Father Polis. Um, since the institution of this policy, what has been the overall reaction to it by the faithful, in particular, maybe if you have any insight on the coaches and the players? So the general reaction has been hallelujah from most yes. people, right? <laughs> Lots of people have been very supportive of it. We were the, the document came out, Unleashed the Gospel, calling for this in June of 2017, and then the Archbishop wrote his pastoral note in May of 2019, and so we had a pretty significant on-ramp to say this is going to go into effect in the fall of 2019. Um, and that, that gave us a chance to say, okay, what do we need to do about schedules? How do yeah. we figure this out? Maybe we need to build in an extra week or two so that the schedules can breathe a little bit more since they can't play on Sunday. We need to get creative with the gym times or field times. So there's a lot of logistics that needed to happen, and I know coaches and athletic directors were concerned about that. But I think the more – and there's also kind of a weather um, clause where if – for certain outdoor sports, if we need to find, you know, uh, a time – where uh, they can get a waiver for this, that there's a mechanism to look at an exception. But by and large, we've received overwhelming support to say this is the right direction, and this will help our families be who they're meant to be. I, I am so glad to hear that, and, and actually kind of relieved, because um, you know it's just important for us to keep things in perspective. There's no question. And as, as soon as you said the word hallelujah, it made me think that, these folks basically realize that you 
and and the bishop, archbishop in particular, were saving them from themselves. In other words, they need to have this instilled. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're going to let sports take their lives over to yet another degree. And what you did is you guys kind of halted that, and they realized it was true wisdom, and it was authentically the Holy Spirit speaking, as you mentioned. Yeah, and, and let me say one other thing. We just released, because we know it's not just about not playing sports, but how do we reclaim Sunday? Right. We released a, a wonderful book for the upcoming year called 52 Sundays. You can find it at 52sundays.com. And it's a week-by-week guide to every Sunday in the upcoming year that a family can do family activity, a prayer, the Sunday readings. It's got a recipe in there, some kind of fun thing to look for at church that week. Um, because we didn't just want to say, stop doing sports on Sunday. We wanted to give our families a way that they can gather around each other and around their faith to live out the call to make Sunday look, feel, and be different. Awesome. And that's 52sundays.com. Yep, 52sundays.com. Very good. And I'm going to mention that uh, if if folks happen to miss that a little later on in the show. Uh, Father, before you go, let me ask, on a a personal note, you mentioned that you were an athlete in school and and uh, you were um, you participated in in uh, those uh, general activities. Where did you go to high school? I went to Detroit Servite. Where did you? Do, are you an arch? Are you an archdiocese of Detroit guy? I am. I grew up in the area here, and I went to a small, actually Byzantine right. Even though I'm Latin right, went to a Byzantine right high school called Immaculate Conception Ukrainian Catholic High School. No so I studied Ukrainian for four years yep. and uh, was uh, got to learn the wonderful beauty of the Byzantine liturgy and the uh, Byzantine tradition. And um, because it was a small school, I got to play a lot of sports, which was a great blessing in my life. Awesome. And if people recognize your name, they might also recognize your face, right? You've made several appearances on EWTN TV, right? Yeah, I've, you know, uh, because of the the great movement of Unleash the Gospel, I've been on EWTN a few times. I've been on um, Catholic TV out of Boston. I help with a a wonderful publication we have here called Unleash the Gospel, um, uh, our kind of discipleship guide every two months. Um, So they, they might have seen my name or my face in a few of those places. Very good. Well, I'll leave you with this. Thank you for saying yes to the priesthood, Father, and I'll ask our listening audience to pray for you and your continued service to the Church, and thank you for joining us here on Faith and Sport. Amen. God bless you, and rejoice in this week of rejoicing in Advent. Absolutely. Take care, Father. You too. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. Father Steve Pullis, uh, Director of the Department of Evangelization, Catechesis, and Schools for the Archdiocese of Detroit, and we just got done talking about Uh, The Day of Our Lord, this uh, note that the Archbishop of Detroit put out back in the spring in which, and I thought he made a great point. He said, not only is it a ceasing of all practices and games for anybody from the ages or the grades of 5 through 12, for all Catholic schools in the Archdiocese of Detroit, but what they did was they put out this supplement, and I mentioned that I would uh, repeat the uh, the document or the website. It's called 52sundays.com, 52sundays.com. And it's a week-by-week guide to help the faithful. And not only was this note saying, hey, folks, don't participate in any sports as, you know, through the CYO or the Catholic High School League here in the Archdiocese, but also it was supported by here's some activities you can do as a family. Um, and then he mentioned that it has all kinds of uh, supplemental information in there. 
And 52 Sundays is referring to the amount of uh, Sundays in the year to help you throughout the year. My guess is it's a document or it's a book that you could use from year to year. So um, I thank Father Steve Pullis and uh, his his response to this phone call. I think folks like that are really busy, but I thought this was really important. And, of course, this is very much what we're about here at Faith in Sport, is trying to put sports into perspective and seeing it through the lens of our faith. Well, let's do this, Chris. Let's take a break. Um, folks, thank you for joining us here on Faith in Sport today. Uh, you're listening to the Carolina Catholic Radio Network. Um, when we come back from the break, we're going to do a couple things. We're going to have our quick Q&A. We're going to have first our weekend headlines, our quick Q&A with Dr. A. And if we have time, we'll do our Pope Quote of the Week. So uh, stay tuned here on Carolina Catholic Radio, and we'll have more Faith in Sport right after this. And before we go to the break, we want to remind you that you can hear an encore presentation of Faith and Sport here on the Carolina Catholic Radio Network. If you miss any of the broadcast, you can hear an encore presentation of Faith and Sport tonight at 10, Tuesday nights at 8, Wednesday nights at 11, and Saturday afternoons from 4 to 5, and Sunday afternoons from 2 to 3. So you've got plenty of times to catch Faith and Sport on the Carolina Catholic Radio Network. And of course, you can hear Faith and Sport live every Monday afternoon from 2 to 3. And we've got more Faith and Sport live with Dr. John Aquaviva coming up right after the break. The Carolina Catholic Radio Network and AM 1270 Catholic Radio Charlotte is now in the second half of our December Pledge Drive. In addition to Mother Angelica's EWTN Catholic Radio Network, we broadcast a variety of local programs highlighted by hourly news updates from the Catholic News Herald, along with the One Minute Monk and Less Than a Minute to Go from Belmont Abbey. Local programs under development will feature clergy, parish ministries, Catholic schools and homeschools, Catholic moms, Catholic guild writers, and the Knights of Columbus. This year, we debuted our first local programs, Faith and Sport with Dr. John Aquaviva and Keeping Catholic Real with Pepper Martin. Stay tuned for more details on our vision for 2020 and how we can all work together to reap a record harvest in the vineyard of the Carolinas. For more information on our 2020 capital and operational needs, please contact us through our website, mobile app, or by email to feedback at carolinacatholicradio.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Hi, folks. Dr. John Aquaviva here, host of one of the local shows shows on Carolina Catholic Radio called Faith and Sport. I invite you to check out my new book, Improving Body Image Through Catholic Teaching. This book is meant to address one of our culture's silent soul killers feeling terrible about how we look. But remember, God has something to say about this as well. That's Improving Body Image Through Catholic Teaching, available at tanbooks.com or Amazon. And be sure to join me each Monday at 2 p.m. for Faith and Sport. The Carolina Catholic Radio Network and AM 1270 Catholic Radio Charlotte is now in the second half of our December Pledge Drive. In addition to Mother Angelica's EWTN Catholic Radio Network, we broadcast a variety of local programs highlighted by hourly news updates from the Catholic News Herald, along with the One Minute Monk and Less Than a Minute to Go from Belmont Abbey. Local programs under development will feature clergy, parish ministries, Catholic schools and homeschools, Catholic moms, Catholic guild writers, and the Knights of Columbus. This year, we debuted our first local programs, Faith and Sport with Dr. John Aquaviva and Keeping Catholic Real with Pepper Martin. 
Martin. Stay tuned for more details on our vision for 2020 and how we can all work together to reap a record harvest in the vineyard of the Carolinas. For more information on our 2020 capital and operational needs, please contact us through our website, mobile app, or by email to feedback at carolinacatholicradio.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Hi, folks. Dr. John Aquaviva here, host of Faith in Sport on the Carolina Catholic Radio Network. Tune in to hear Faith in Sport live Monday afternoons from 2 to 3, and tune in to hear from special guests on the show, like head football coach at Wingate University, of course, the same place in which I teach exercise science. Joe Reich, welcome to the show. Is the game film in your head? Is it a distraction for you when you're at Sunday Mass? Yeah, Mass for me just kind of centers me. It's probably the one place I can put football away and just focus on something else. That's Faith in Sport, live Monday afternoons from 2 to 3, hosted by me, Dr. John Aquaviva on the Carolina Catholic Radio Network, AM 1270, and also streaming at carolinacatholicradio.org and on the Carolina Catholic Radio app. And if you haven't heard enough of his voice by now, <laughs> it's time for more Dr. J live on Faith and Sport here on the Carolina Catholic Radio Network. <laughs> Chris, that was great. <laughs> You haven't heard enough of them. That was fantastic. Uh, I know. They're like, what is, don't you guys have anything else to run? <laughs> Folks, uh, thank you. No, for I'm ch- sorry. Uh, Dr. J just likes to hear his voice <laughs> continuously. <laughs> <laughs> On a loop. In fact, that's what's in my head all the time. Hey, this is Dr. John Akaviva, Faith in Sport. Uh, folks, welcome back to the show. We only got a few minutes left, but we could, we're going to cover some ground here for sure. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're in our weekend headlines. Chris is going to sh- throw a question at me in the world of sport from the week, and then we'll end with our Pope quote of the week. The weekend headlines in college football, two things I want to mention. Joe Burrow, the LSU quarterback, he won the Heisman Trophy. And the reason that is worth noting is, I think, two reasons. Is one, it was landslide. He won by a higher percent of first place votes than anybody in the history of that voting, which is really impressive, especially considering that in the beginning of the year, I don't even think he was considered a top three or four candidate, especially with Trevor Lawrence out there from Clemson, but he got off to a real slow start. In fact, I think he had five interceptions in the first three games, four games, and he just kind of went off the radar there and was never really back in the conversation. Although several people pointed out his overall stats for the year were just as good as Joe Burrow, and they're going to the playoff, and they were undefeated, just like LSU. So I thought that was interesting. Um, anyway, the other thing I th- is uh, worth noting is the most wonderful time of the year begins this week. Chris, Chris, do you remember the <laughs> do you remember the the commercial a couple years ago that ESPN did? In that, uh, you know, that Christmas song that goes, it's the most wonderful yeah. time of the year. Uh, people are like, oh, no, I got to listen to this guy talk. Now we got to listen to him say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the reason I say it's the most wonderful time of the year is I agree with those commercials because there are 39 bowl games starting this week. And right. for people who hate college football, boy, they're in for <laughs> they're in for it. Because not only is it just about every day from now until about... Mid January. <laughs> I know it's crazy to say, but at some points, if you turned on the TV on like a Wednesday of next week, Chris, <laughs> of course, next Wednesday is uh, is Christmas. But um, right, no, no, it's it's a uh, is next Wednesday. Yeah, a week from Wednesday yeah, is Christmas. That's right. We'll just say a week from Monday or a week from today. You might turn on the TV at eleven o'clock in the morning, and there might be 
college football teams playing in these yeah. bowl games, right? Because they got to get them in somehow. In some cases, there's four or five per day, and uh, it's it's awful for the non-college football fan, but it's great for people like me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one thing I like better, Chris, than listening to my voice in those ads, and that's college football <laughs> the day after Christmas. <laughs> All right, in the NFL, continuing down this road of uh, football, Panthers lost another. I know Chris is happy about that. That makes six in a row, and they're beside themselves with confusion and frustration. This time they lost to the Seahawks. I guess it doesn't really matter who they play. Next week, next week at this time, we'll go. That's seven in a row. We yeah. That's eight in a row. It's terrible. <laughs> Chris's beloved Redskins, though. Chris, they, you understand what it means to lose, man. You guys yep. lost to the Eagles. I know, another tough loss, brother. And the 49ers, I thought, came down to earth with a loss to the Falcons. I think they were like 10-point favorites in that game. But everybody loses. doesn't matter who you are. Mm-hmm. Everybody loses. NCAA basketball, once again, the number one team loses this week. This is the fifth time in six weeks that the number one team has lost. This time it was Louisville. They lost by 13 to Texas Tech. And the currently, the five top ten teams, the newest rating just came out in the last couple hours, it's in this order, number one to number five. It's Kansas, Gonzaga, Ohio State, Louisville, and Maryland. Uh, UNC, do you know who they lost to, Chris? Did you hear about this? UNC's out of the top 25. They started, I want to say, in the top five. Mm-hmm. Wofford. Yeah. I don't even know if I'm saying that name right. <laughs> That's <laughs> It's in fact a couple of weeks ago with Ed on here I said Wolford and he goes yeah. it's Wofford Wofford, yeah. Wofford. but it, but I say Wolford because if you lose to him it is Wofford awful yeah <laughs> it's ter- <laughs> it sounds like awful waffle it's it's terrible anyway uh, NC State's still looking strong they're eight and two now but That's they're not right. in the top twenty five but I think they're going to break there if they keep winning of course yeah they had a great win the other night over. UNC Greensboro eighty to seventy seven. Chris, don't ever say Greensboro. Whenever they beat one of those, just say UNC. That way, it sounds more. <laughs> yeah. <fun>. yeah. <laughs> that way, people need to know what they're talking about to know that. Oh yeah, there's a G in there. They're like, what G? Just go. No, no. They're just one, they're in the UNC system. <laughs> and as uh, Carlos mentioned, the first part of the program, uh, he was being facetious when he said uh, the big hit of the week was. Boy, some of the biggest contracts in Major League Baseball were signed. In fact, of all of sports were signed this past week. Major League Baseball, Garrett Cole signed for three hundred plus million. This is a right multi-year contract. Anthony Rendon went to the Angels for two hundred plus million. Steven Strasburg signed for two hundred plus million. Unbelievable amount of money. Anyway, in each case, it was thirty million dollars a year or more. It's amazing. Chris, do you realize if you and I made $30 million in one year, that means you could have pizza every day of the week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When I was younger, Chris, that's what I used to think about. When people had all kinds of money, I was like, wow, you could have pizza every night. Because that's what I dreamed about that, right? Like, we would have pizza every once in a while. And it was so delicious to me. And to tell Mm -hmm. the truth, it's still delicious to me today. But but now I don't do it as much as anything because it's not really good for you, right? It should be a special treat. Mm Mm-hmm. But I remember when I was a kid, I was like, boy, if I had a bunch of money, I'd buy pizza every night. And these guys, Chris, at $300 million contracts, they could buy pizza every night. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, somebody figured this out. He is going to make, if he pitches 200-plus innings, which a, generally a starting pitcher does, Garrett Cole will make over $9,000 a pitch. Wow. <laughs> 
So every time he throws a pitch, and then that's 200 plus innings. So do, and the general inning is around 15 to 17 pitches. So he's you know he'll make more literally more money in a couple innings, Chris, than uh, you and I do in a month. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks. That's our weekend headlines. We got a, we got time for a couple more things, uh, but before we go. The last thing about the college or about the weekend headlines is in local football, Charlotte Catholic won their third straight title. They beat Southern Nash this past weekend, twenty-three to seven. In the beginning of the year, there I think their record was one in three at one point. Anyway, we'll talk about this because on Wednesday, folks. Normally, I don't even know what's on at two o'clock on Wednesdays on this on this uh, radio station, Carolina Catholic <laughs> Radio. But Chris, you and I are going to be back here with the head coach and two players from the Charlotte Catholic team to have a special episode of Faith and Sport. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So, so those guys are going to join us. forward to it. Yeah, that's going to be neat. So folks, spread the word on this, especially if you're a Charlotte Catholic fan or you want to hear from these guys directly. And I think one of the reasons that these guys are excited to be on the air with us is that despite the popularity of their program, winning the third straight state title, that's really tough to do. Some programs go 50 years without ever winning. Anyway, I think one of the reasons, and the main reason they're so excited, is that despite all this uh, success they've had, they don't have an opportunity to talk about it publicly, right? Somebody sticks a microphone in front of them at the game, maybe for 30 seconds, and then it's on that night's, uh, you know, sports, local sports program, and then that's it. But we're going to give them at least a half hour. In fact, we haven't even decided, but we're going to give them at least a half hour this Wednesday, December 18th, at 2 o'clock. So a special, special version of Faith in Sport. Uh, in fact, we're calling it a special congratulatory Faith in Sport program. So there yes. you go. Chris. And we'll, we'll be live. We'll be live. So you'll know. And Chris, <laughs> just just to be sure, so I can get excited that that morning, is we're going to still do the Sing, Sing, Sing by Benny Goodman, right? We can yes, still do that. We're still going to do that. <laughs> Hopefully with no technical difficulties. <laughs> Chris, we've had enough tef- technical difficulties this afternoon to last us f- for the next several months. I don't think it's going to happen. It, I know. You know. At the beginning of the show, you said it was December 16th, but I had to check my calendar to make sure it wasn't still Friday the 13th. <laughs> Today is December 16th, right? Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, every time I say the date, I'm like, uh, sh- I think David, our chairman, might go, don't say the date, because then it dates us when we do the rebroadcast. But I'm going to say it again. In fact, watch how deep I say it. December 16th, 2019, folks. (laughs) Folks, thanks for joining us today. I'm Dr. John Aquaviva. Listen, if there's somebody that you know, like the guys from Charlotte Catholic, that belong on the air, in other words, they've done something neat within the sport, they represent our faith well, uh, they've just done something spectacular on the field, on the court, on the track, whatever the case is, and they... You feel that they deserve some time on the air, and I can either interview them or I can talk about them on the air. Uh, be sure to contact me. There's two ways in which you can do that. You can tweet me at j.aquaviva1, that's the number one, j.aquaviva1, or you can email me at faithandsport at wingate.edu. And also, folks, here at Faith and Sport, we want you to do a couple things. We want you to tell people about this program, and we want you to tell them how do they can tune into the show? There's AM 1270. They can go to carolinacatholicradio.org. That's our website, and you just hit Listen Live. Or you can download the Carolina Catholic Radio Network app. And then once that 
that takes all of about, what, eight seconds, right, Chris? That's right. To download an app. And then you hit listen live. And so there's three different ways to listen. There's no reason that you should be listening to the show. Pass it along to other folks, especially if they're, you know, in fact, Chris, you know, you've heard the term, it makes a great stocking stuffer. Yeah. What people could do is put this on a piece of paper. It won't cost them anything. That's you right. Just say, listen. <laughs> I don't think they'll appreciate that much. Is that part of their stocking stuffer is a, uh, a piece of paper that says, listen to faith in sport. But who knows if they're a big sports fan? I think they'd appreciate the show. Yeah. And if nothing else, Chris, they'd appreciate the, um, the, the music that we play in the beginning and then again at the end. I think yeah. it's terrific. All right, brother. We have only a couple minutes here. The quick Q and A with Doctor A. We have one time for one question. Go ahead and read me that question, brother. Okay. Does anyone care about U.S. versus internationals in this past weekend's <laughs> tournament? <laughs> you know the answer to this, right? Yeah. What do you think I'm going to say? Do do people care about this or not? Not really. No, they don't. <laughs> You knew, you knew that. In fact, I set myself up for an easy question, and that's exactly what I have here. I literally, my first two words are, not really. They don't really. <laughs> Folks, it's called the uh, President's Cup. Uh, in fact, I'm going to read this from Golf World, and of course, only people at Golf World would say that. They. It starts out, well, that was, referring to the tournament, dramatic, intense, chippy, and close. The 2019 President's Cup exceeded expectations, delivering an action-packed week that kept golf fans' Ryder Cup level captivated. And here are 18 parting thoughts from a pleasantly surprising day at, from Down Under. And that's the lead-in to this article on Golf World, so you guys can go to golfdigest.com to check out those 18 parting thoughts. But here's the thing. It's problematic for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's team play. And when it doesn't matter whether it's the United States against... Russia, doesn't matter what it's the Canadians against the Mexicans, it doesn't matter. In golf, people want to see individuals golf against one another in the standard tournaments like the Masters, like the U.S. Open, like the British Open, and so forth. Yeah, there's a lot of money to be made from this. Yeah, there's some the greatest players from the, around the world are playing in this tournament, but unfortunately... Virtually nobody cares. And here's one of the big reasons. It's not only is it team play, the scoring, nobody understands. Whenever there's a half point involved, Chris, like, I think it says, it says they were up, the U.S. team, 14 and a half to three and a half going into singles. Nobody... I'm glad you laughed at that, Chris, because it doesn't make any sense, right? They were ahead 14 and a half (laughs) to three and a half. And Mm. how could anybody even, in fact, even when you explain it to people, their eyes go crossed. They start sweating because they probably feel like they should understand that scoring. They just don't. Mm. Anyway, um, this one writer, this writer in particular from golf.digest.com said uh, Tiger Woods played particularly well. In fact, he probably had the best <laughs> tournament of anybody, but it really doesn't matter because uh, I- I'm I'm just surprised if anybody, even a golf fan says, oh, I love it, right? It's just it's just not there. But uh, people could be wondering, why are you talking about that? <laughs> in fact, you spent a lot of time talking, Aquaviva, about something that you don't really care about and you're saying people shouldn't care about. All right, folks, we only got a couple of minutes left. Let's do our Pope quote of the week. I think this is terrific. This comes from Benedict XVI, right? Pope before uh, our current Pope Francis. And this is what he said to the Italian National Olympic Committee back in 2014. He said, the Olympic motto 
Cetus, Eltius, and Fortius is not an excitement to the supremacy of one nation over another, of one people over another people, nor the exclusion of the weakest and the least protected, but rather represents the challenge posed to all of us, not just athletes. And what he said was this, that of making the effort and the sacrifice to reach the important goals in life, accepting one's own limits without allowing oneself to be obstructed by them, but seeking instead to overcome them. And the reason I chose this is because we always, I think, athletes feel that perfection can be met on the field, perfection can be experienced on the court, perfection can be mastered and acquired on the track. And of course, it can't. It shows that we're limited, it shows that we're not perfect, and it shows that the purpose of sport really is is goes in a different direction and that is to recognize that we have limits but to recognize that god has given us this great body to get better at that sport to train harder to seek bigger and better things within the world of sport and then we should accept those things as limitations for us as people for us as human beings for us as athletes but that shouldn't keep us from striving to be good however to put it in perspective as always and that was a great that was a great quote from our Pope Benedict. So there you have it. Uh, Benedict left us with a lot of uh, quotes in the, from the world of sport. And as I mentioned in previous Pope Quotes of the Week, if you want to read a lot about this, all you have to do is go, go on the internet and put Pope Quotes in sport, and you'll see for the last 100 years, all of our popes have made a lot of comments on that. All right, folks, I want to, um, before we go, I want to thank our guest, Carlos Herrera a uh, soccer coach from up in the Northern Virginia area. He's certified. He joined us for the uh, hit or miss of the week. And then Father Steve Pullis, the director of the Department of Evangelization, Catechesis, and Schools, from joining us from the Archdiocese of Detroit. I want to thank those two guys for joining us. And remember, as our wonderful uh, Pope has said recently, Pope Francis, in sport as in life, competing for the result is important, but playing well and fairly is even more important. I'm Dr. John Aquaviva. Please join us next time. In fact, this Wednesday for a special congratulatory program for Faith in Sport where we bring on coach and a couple players from Charlotte Catholic. Chris. We want to thank you for tuning in for Faith and Sport today on the Carolina Catholic Radio Network. And as Dr. J said, we want to invite you to tune in this Wednesday from 2 to 3 for a special edition of Faith and Sport Live right here on the Carolina Catholic Radio Network, AM 1270 WCGC. Also streaming live at carolinacatholicradio.org and the Carolina Catholic Radio app. Thanks for tuning in to Faith and Sport and make sure that you listen for an encore presentation of Faith and Sport at one of the times that we mentioned here on the show today. Have a blessed day and we'll meet you back here on Wednesday afternoon for Faith and Sport Live. Hello, God's Beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. 
Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. We hope you enjoyed the program and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.